And welcome to the Obsolete Gamer Show. I am J.A. LaRock. Thank you for joining us. And we are very happy and honored to be joined by John Robert Matz, who is not only an award-winning composer, but also a Chicago native like myself. Thanks for coming on and joining with us today. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. So, I, about Chicago. Were you born in Chicago, or did you just have a studio in Chicago? Um, I have to. I have to immediately follow with the disclaimer of I say I'm, I'm a, I am a Chicago. I am a. I am a Chicagoan, and so much as Chicago is my city, I've generally lived about thirty minutes or so outside of the city my entire life. Uh, so I like. I get into the city from time to time. It's my town, but I can't claim to be the true native-born Chicagoan. Like in 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 town, unfortunately, alas, <laughs> alas. Uh, I live. Uh, I live out uh, out in the burbs a bit. Oh, okay. Well, well, still, I mean, it's close enough. You get to visit. I mean, is there a specific parts of Chicago that you really like going seeing? Like, I grew up in the north side, so I love going to see Soldier's Field, going to the museum, stuff like that. That same here. Like, uh, I, I, I still, I love, I love going to, like, see, uh, you know, when I was a kid, to get to see, like, Cubs games and stuff like that with my with my dad and, and uh, getting down to, uh, I'm, I'm a music snob, so, like, getting to go to symphony center and lyric opera and stuff like that and, and uh things of that sort are uh, are always uh wonderful highlights of my forays uh into uh, into town uh and so that's that's kind of where i have had most of my uh most of my sh- spent most of my chicago life is is on the north side and along like you know along the along the lake and things like that so you must i mean are, were you happy that the cubs won then when they won the <laughs> world series i mean after that drought oh god I can't even. Oh man! Oh, if my dad were still alive to see that, he would have like, he would have been. Oh, he would have been ecstatic. It's. There, oh man! There's some at some point at some point in my in my childhood, we stopped like being serious sports watching family. A, a serious sports watching family because when we tuned in, we would always lose. You know, it was like you you we were not like um, we were not like a hardcore um you know, Cubs or Sox kind of family, you know, we'd re- we were Cubs fans, but like, we didn't like hate on the Sox, so we would root for whoever was, you know, we'd root for our home team, whichever one it was, but whatever we'd actually tune in to watch something, they would always abysmally lose, the Bears would get crushed, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Cubs would be trampled, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and so we stopped watching at some point. Uh, because of that, it's like you tune in the radio and it would be going so well. And then, uh, in- inevitably it would all go wrong, you know? And so, so it became like a thing, like, don't, don't actually listen, like follow from a distance, but don't listen too closely. It'll all go wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I still, I, I, I broke that, uh, at the 11th hour, uh, and, uh, and caught the, the very end of the game. And that was just, oh man, tremendous. I can't, um. Uh, I, you know, as a, as a, you know, not a huge sports fan or a sports fan from afar, uh, still just like the, the energy in Chicago, uh, just ecstatic. There were like, even out here in the suburbs, like there are fireworks going off, people like honking their horns, cheers. It was, it was great. It was, it was wonderful. Um, just, uh, uh, I, it's, um, man, uh, just a tremendous experience. Uh, and wonderful to finally see happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if you weren't into sports, just seeing something like that. It's like even with Cleveland now. I, I'm in Miami, so I have a rivalry with Cleveland. But 
to see that they didn't win anything for so long and they finally win something, just like with Chicago, you've you got to feel a little bit of happiness, even if you're not a big sports fan. Now, yeah. uh, you're doing composing for gaming. I mean, obviously, you do a lot of other things I want to get into as well. But growing up, was there games that you played? Was, was, that, was there gaming that led you to your career path? Oh, absolutely. Although, although um, my background is a little bit weirder than most of my uh, uh, most of my colleagues uh, about who are about my age with my background. I didn't have a, a game console growing up at all. We didn't. Uh, I, that's almost true. We had a Texas Instruments uh, computer that could take like cartridges or tapes or had like a basic. We were, we were always like years behind the times. <laughs> um, so we had this this Texas Texas Instruments uh, home computer. Which is basically a console, and you could run like Atari type games on it, uh, and some some fun stuff. Uh, but for the most part, all of my gaming experiences were on PC, and even then, they were always a little behind the times. And so I was digging up things that were like four or five years old uh, and playing them. So I was playing like System Shock when System Shock Two was coming out, you right. know, because we couldn't run System Shock Two. Uh, I'm like, oh, this everyone's talking about this. I'm gonna look at the first game. Uh, and so I have this, like, you know, for, for many years uh, of my childhood, just a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, like, kind of pla- like classic PC games uh, in my, in my background. So your, uh, your LucasArts adventures, you know, I was a big Star Wars nerd, so, like, Dark Forces and TIE Fighter and oh, yeah. uh, all that stuff uh, just kind of, like, is indelibly uh, burned into my brain. I got very crazy as a child and, like, assembled, like, uh, um, a, an old compact 486 DX 25 laptop on top of like an external CD drive array that was powered by an, a, uh, a, uh, a power inverter. And then I took this, this nightmare across the country uh, on like a family vacation, like road trip. Uh, and ju- just so I could keep playing dark forces in the car oh, on man. this, uh, on this ridiculous laptop. It just is real dumb. But so a lot of classic PC games, like uh, I, I like I like shooters, so things like like Dark Forces and Doom and things like that. Like I said, Star Wars nerd. I like Sims. I played a ton of uh, a ton of stuff, Falcon 3.0 and uh, SU 27 Flanker, and like all these old like jet fighter Sims and tank Sims, like M1 Tank Platoon, and like like things like that. Like, uh, but none of those were like super musically inspiring uh, until this kind of. Uh, third-person adventure game, basically, or third-person platformer shooter adventure sort of thing uh, called uh, Outcast came out. I think it was like 1999 or something like that, uh, right on the edge of, uh, of the 2000s. And um, uh, and it was a it was a voxel-based game, so it had no 3D acceleration, which meant it pretty much ran terribly on everyone's computer. <laughs> um, but it had these stunning environments, and it was this... Uh, kind of almost stargate inspired story where like you know they send a uh, uh a guy to another planet uh and like and there's an alien civilization and everything the music is phenomenal uh and uh you know it's written by a guy named lenny moore who is i'm i'm very glad to say is a, a friend and colleague of mine now uh but uh score was all beautiful orchestral music uh with uh orchestra and choir the moscow symphony orchestra i believe uh, performed it and it was uh, it was really eye opening to me because we had suddenly, you know, for years I've been playing things that had, you know, on PC, you know, it was all dependent on how good your MIDI card was. Oh, if your yeah. sound card 
like sounded like good, you got better sound. I even experimented with like plugging in like uh, like Casio synthesizers and stuff like that into my sound card to drive audio for games, but like that was generally not a great <laughs> great solution because you'd have like your sound coming from an external source for your music and then your game sound over here and ah, uh, but but um. But I got, I, you know, try to get, like, good sound out of these things, and suddenly here was this phenomenal, uh, lush orchestral score that was not only written really well, but performed uh, wonderfully. And I've been a musician forever. My parents were musicians. Uh, I've been playing in bands and orchestras and stuff like that. And suddenly to hear, like, video game music be, like, this lush symphonic experience, this, you know, this, this sound that was... Um, you know, to to my mind was it was my snobbish child, you know, elitist mind. It was real music all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, like I I knew that the other stuff was incredibly clever and very well composed, and there were composers working. But suddenly it was being interpreted by real musicians and performed in this way, and it was just uh, it, it pulled me in real hard. Uh, it was about that time also that like like uh, Grim Fandango came out, and like that has like all these wonderful live jazz performances. Uh, by you know, uh, with with the crew that Peter McConnell put together, uh, and, and that was another one of these things. Just suddenly, it's like, oh, real, real players, like real, real musicians, real music, and suddenly, like mind blown kind of moment. And I was like, I could, you know, I, I'd always kind of dabbled in composition or arrangement or things of that sort. Maybe I could start doing that. Maybe that's a future. Maybe that's a path. I don't know. That's that's basically it. <laughs> now, I mean, obviously, you, you've had training not only in composing but also singing instruments all this stuff and also what you were talking about uh, you know being a music snob having parents that are also in music would you say there was any maybe a worry that hey video games like why not do classical because that seems like you know something that if you're in, in, in a classroom everyone's talking about the great classical works and then you're like but I love these video game scores were people like accepting of that because they could understand hey this is great music or was it like no that's kid stuff it depends a lot on like um, I have a, I have a really great uh, love of classical music, uh, but I think uh, that pretty much as I've started to write more and more, like there has been this kind of awakening of interest in uh, in video game scores and in film scores, uh, pretty much concurrent. Uh, with my kind of getting into writing music in general, so I've written concert music that has, you know, to me at least, that is very similar to my writing for video games or my writing for films. Like it has similar kinds of um, uh, similar kinds of textures and timbres and ideas. Uh, it's just entirely contained in, uh, you know, I'm sorry. It's just it's just like I should say unfettered by having to serve an image or uh, having to serve uh, uh, you know a, a uh, a static kind of, or not a static, but a, a linear progression, like of a, of a film or something like that, or having to serve a moment in the game, I can tell a story entirely independently. Um, and so, writing, you know, writing or, or, or enjoying video game scores or or film scores, uh, I don't think it's ever been like looked down upon by my peers. But then again, I have never like forced the issue. I guess I should say, uh, you know. And and growing up, I had a, I had a weird background in that I was. I was homeschooled all the way through high school, uh, and I had a lot of I had a lot of friends in our homeschool group, so I hung out with them a lot. You know, we played video games and we played we made music and stuff. So there was never like a weird, 
you know, it was never like, oh, you know, we're doing music, you know, we're we're in our we're in our homeschool band and orchestra and stuff, but we're also doing, you know, we're also playing Goldeneye, you know, we're also playing, you know, Mario Kart, and like, there's no, oh, this is kid stuff because we're also doing the kid stuff. We're not going to make fun of ourselves, right. um, but you know, getting into to college and 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 university kind of level studies, um. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of there. There are there are a lot of you know music geek and geek geek. There's a lot of crossover nowadays, at least. Uh, so maybe I guess some professors might look down on it and be snoot- snooty about it, but I haven't really experienced that. So I mean, once you were done with schooling and things like that, um, how long was it before you got to your first um, video game, you know, position? Oh. I think about two years. Um, I was, uh, I come about, like everything in my life, I seem to have gone a very circuitous route. Uh, I, um, I was a music education major, uh, so I studied to be a music teacher. Uh, and in fact, I do teach music, high school music, part-time uh, at present. Uh, but, uh, you know, I graduated in 2009, and my first gig uh, started in, in 2011. Uh, you know, and that was uh, for a game called Artemis, the Spaceship Bridge Simulator, which is this weird, crazy, awesome Star Trek-style five-player game that takes over an entire house or an entire living room or something like that. Um, and uh, and it's basically, you know, five players and five computers, and everyone, every computer is its own bridge station in a Star Trek-style bridge. Um, and that was my first game that I scored. And that came entirely, like, should I, should I tell the story of that? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> it's 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 a real dumb story, but it, it, but it was fun. Um, at that time, I had kind of started dabbling in composition. My my sister was a film major. Uh, I scored her short films. I was actually scoring, uh, you know, I'd scored some stuff when I was in when I was in college, some little film stuff, and and so I was writing music, like little things here and there on a fairly regular basis, you know, um, and trying to kind of do stuff for film. Um, and I thought about video games, and like the idea of doing music for video games was really cool. I had no idea how I'd get into that, uh, but uh, this game, you know, had uh, kind of appeared on the scene. I'd seen it come across a few websites uh, that I read, and they announced that they were doing a, a demo uh, for. They're releasing a demo that if you played the demo, because it's a game that is not really built around like its own graphics. It's more built around the uh, ridiculous gameplay environment, this social environment that it fosters. Uh, he had this promotional idea where uh, the developer Tom uh, Tom Robertson had this promotional idea that you should play the demo with your friends and film it and upload it to YouTube, and then send him an email about it, and he would repost it and send you a copy of the game for free. Uh, and I thought that's a very clever promotional system. And I tried out the demo. Uh, because it was, a, it was a cool game, but it was like 60 bucks, you know? Uh, so I was like, eh, let's try this out. I realized it had no music. And I thought, this game needs music. And everyone else's videos they'd taken, you know, Jerry Goldsmith or James Horner's or, like, scores for, or John Williams scores for Star Trek or Star Wars and putting this stuff, you know, scoring their little, you know, fan videos of them playing this game with, you know, legit, legitimate, you know, scores stolen from other things. And I thought... Maybe, just maybe, let's let's do something real dumb. Let's take some music that I've written and score our video for this ridiculous thing uh, with uh, with my music. And then 
I will send him that. And then I'll say, hey, you know, uh, by the way, if you like the music, I wrote it. Uh, if you need music for your game. And so I thought this would be easy. I'll just take music I've already written. It's great. So we shot the we shot a video. It was super amateurish. It was uh, it was wonderful, real cheesy, real dumb. Uh, and uh, I sat down and said, okay, I'll just pull this music for this little sci-fi short that I did. I'll borrow this and put it in. And I realized like, oh, our video is like seven minutes long and the music I've written is nowhere near substantial enough. And so I wound up scoring this entire thing, complete, threw all that out, scored the entire thing from beginning to end uh, manually, manually, originally. I wrote an original score. There we go, words. Uh, <laughs> and sent that off to him with the same kind of like, oh, and if you like the music, I wrote it. I couldn't help but notice your game doesn't have music, and I think it would help if it had that, or I think it would be a benefit. I don't know what I said, but apparently I said the right thing. And he liked it, and I got the gig, and awesome. that was uh, that was how that happened. It was it was like let's burn a week of work <laughs> on a gamble, uh, and one of the things I've learned more and more is sometimes you have to try the ri- the risky, crazy gambles, and sometimes they pay off, and sometimes they don't. Uh, but that's how I got into uh, scoring for video for uh, scoring for video games. Sorry. Fortune <laughs> favors the bold, they always say. <laughs> apparently, apparently, sometimes at least. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was looking at the different ones like uh, Fossil Echo, Gods of the North, Rodina, Werewolf and a Girl's Sorority, Gunpoint. <laughs> when, when you're scoring these different games, like, I, I'm, I assume it's kind of like with film, television, everything, but what is the process that you go through when you say, all right, how am I going to find the right music for it? Is it a matter of just, uh, do you get to play it, or are you just seeing images, a story outline? Depends a lot on the game. Uh, sometimes I have nothing to go by. Uh, sometimes I have descriptions. I mean, I, I, sometimes all I have is like, here's a few lines of text about a thing. Um, sometimes I get very complex descriptions. Sometimes I get a sketch. Sometimes I have a completely playable experience that I can like play, and it's curiously empty and devoid of sound, and I have to kind of like figure out what I want it to be. Sometimes I'll end up with stuff where they temp tracked it with other music from other games or from films or classical music and I have to look at it and say okay that's the kind of feel they want now let's just mute that and try to come up with something of my own um and so in the case of like a few of those a few of those things some of those are films some of those are are, are games in the case of like uh in the case of like Rodina uh which is this this sci-fi uh you know uh, this sci-fi space flight combat adventure game uh that takes place over an entire solar system that is you know full size you know, it's it's a game where there are several planets in a system where there are lots of different potential encounters uh, and I decided to you know and, and what I'd get for that was like here's a description of a planet like what is its atmosphere like what kind of what what's the feel the the environment of this what's the uh, what kind of enemies might we face etc but you know that wasn't like super super specific you know and basically allowed me to kind of craft a theme for every planet craft a, a feel for every planet uh, and that was all basically on description like there wasn't a lot that was playable at the time or it wasn't totally playable at the time or even if it was there wasn't a lot to do it was just a big empty planet without everything populated on it yet um, uh, other games like Fossil Echo I got descriptions and I get like sketches or like a a shot of, of uh, a level or, you know, in the case of cutscenes, I get rough animatics or even fully fleshed out bits, but 
for the most part, I was working kind of very early with like, here's a picture of this. And here's like a brief description of what will happen. And then I'd take that and kind of put it in my head and let it mush around, percolate, stir up. And then I'd come up with an idea and go from there. Um, other games like Artemis, for example, back to the very beginning, like that was a fully functional game. Like everything is there. It works pretty much the way it was supposed to work. Uh, everything was more or less functional. And I looked at how the game plays and how the player, the play loop works and what the kind of flow and structure of gameplay is and then devised a very complex, probably needlessly so, interactive system uh, for how the music would react to player action. You know, in that game, there is like this, you know, it's basically, it's like you have, you have moments where you're not in combat, you have moments where things are happening elsewhere that are going to cause you some tension. Uh, there are moments where you're in a full-out fight. There are moments when fights are desperate. And so all of these events kick this, like, tension meter up and down behind the scenes, which determines what the music is going to do. Um, you know, it's very kind of sophisticated, relatively sophisticated. Remember, this is the first game I've ever done. Uh, relatively sophisticated system uh, behind this. And that's built around how the game works. Most of the time, for other things at least, I'm coming in very early and so I am able to kind of, uh, you know, do stuff that's going to influence the game a little bit in some ways, not only it influencing me. Uh, in Fossil Echo's case, there's like a whole sequence uh, that was basically outlined, but effectively left undone specifically so that I could write like a two and a half minute piece of music that would follow the player's actions very carefully and then they built the game around that and then I made the music reactive to match the player's actions. Mm. So if the player does things perfectly, the music lines up perfectly. If the player doesn't do things perfectly, the music gives time back to the player, uh, gives you know a, a bit of breathing room so that it matches what the player is doing and so that they still arrive at these key moments in time with the music. You know, and that was a case of like I got a description and nothing else write the thing they built the game around my stuff and then i changed it up after the fact or modified it after the fact so that we'd have that reactivity that give and take with the player um you know but every game is different every project is different and everything takes a different approach you know some games like fossil echo are super linear others uh like i'm working on a game right now called for the king which is out on steam uh in early access that's a very open world game from my perspective at least you know, you could go from anywhere to anywhere and the music needs to transition and move and react accordingly you know and that's a very different approach than that kind of linear uh progression that fossil echo for example provides it's interesting because in in like film a lot of people may sometimes talk about how they love a specific song or something especially if it's done by like someone that's famous but um, a lot of people don't mention the score, but with video games, you have a lot more people that actually appreciate the music. They'll actually say, hey, you know, I, sometimes I mute music in games, but this one I really loved. Uh, with that, just having players acknowledge and appreciate music and then things like, you know, you winning the gang Rookie of the Year award. How does it feel to know that that kind of work is appreciated by peers, also by, you know, the people that are playing these games? I, it's it's wonderful. I mean, uh, who 
you know, who doesn't like to like see their their work or their colleagues' work like get recognition, like get validation, get appreciated? Um, you know, when when people tell me that they they like my music, when they, you know, when they say like I I, I finished playing Gunpoint and I was whistling your theme and I had that stuck in my head for days. I'm like, number one, I'm like, I'm so sorry <laughs> that it's stuck in your head for days. But at the same time, it's like I've done something right. Like I've written a thing that's impacted someone in some way, even if it's only just to be an earworm and some, you know, didn't get stuck in their head. But it is, it, it's kind of wonderful. Um, like, you know, film scores, you know, uh, are kind of where our world kind of comes from. But, you know, but the video game music fandom, like we have, like we have Final Fantasy and like Legend of Zelda concerts and Pokemon concerts and stuff like that are just celebrations of video game music. I mean, that's kind of crazy that we can fill a house full of people who would not go to see the average symphony orchestra concert and that will flock to these things and love it. And, and, and it's a celebration of video game music and a celebration of, of that you know that franchise i hate to use the word franchise but that universe's sound uh that has been created by you know one two six composers whatever over the course of its of its existence and that's kind of a, a wonderful thing you look at video games live like that's a yeah. amazing uh, an amazing thing I, i'm i'm you know uh and getting to you know that that i don't know getting to have that sort of thing uh in our world uh getting to bring that kind of appreciation for video game music is uh, is really kind of a blessing. And I mean, since you brought up Final Fantasy, I have to talk about tactics because I saw on, on your on your page about that. And I mean, so many people love Final Fantasy tactics. It's, it's weird because you have people who love Final Fantasy and then they never played that. And then you have other people like, man, that game was so awesome. What was it like working on that project? Ah, uh, the so the Materia Collective is where this all comes out of. Uh, the Materia Collective is a really wonderful, weird group of people, uh, composers and arrangers and musicians uh, that all uh, have kind of come together to make a series of really fantastic um, remix albums, basically arrangement albums of these classic video game scores. Um, and sometimes they're much longer than the original video game scores because we have so many fantastic entries. Uh, and the Tactics, Zo Tactics album we did, Zodiac, uh, is one of our most recent and one of the coolest, I think. Um, uh, the you know the game itself is is fantastic. Like I'm, uh, I've always loved Final Fantasy games for their music and for their stories. Uh, and I've never quite like I kind of suffer. That's not really the right word, but suffer through the combat. Uh, you know, like as a kid, I didn't like this whole you line up in two two lines. And yeah. like your guys run out, their guys run out. Like that doesn't make sense. Like give me like a like I feel like chess makes more sense. And so here was this sudden, you know, this game with this crazy, you know, deep like Shakespearean backstabbery story of like intrigue and and cool, like like uh, political nonsense and and all wrapped up in this very interesting, arguably one of the more grounded Final Fantasy worlds, and then. Uh, you have a combat system that is more in line with, like, coming from a PC perspective, like a, a Jagged Alliance yeah. or an XCOM kind of combat. Uh, and that's, like, that's that's a killer combination. 
you know, I got, I never, I, I'm ashamed to admit I never finished it. I got stuck in a situation where you had to like grind for 10 hours to like be able to beat a, a primary story fight. But, but it's a, it's a, it's an amazing game. One of the, one of the ones I'd love to see more of, uh, in that, in that, uh, in that series. Uh, but that music project Zodiac was, uh, was a blast to get to, uh, to be a part of both to write music and then also to sing and play on other people's tracks. Um, and it's, it's kind of also spun out another project I'm working on uh, right now, uh, which is a a musical adaptation of Final Fantasy VI, uh, which I'm working on with a friend of mine, uh, um, uh, Jeff Swingle, who I did a song with uh, for Zodiac, and that's kind of like that was our test bed to see if we could pull this nightmare off. Nice. Uh, and so we're 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 kind of setting up for that right now, but that's that's in the future. You can you can keep an eye out for that. Uh, my sister plays uh, piano, like classical piano, and she had a lot of friends who were in music, too, when she went to school. And, you know, they talked about places they'd love to play, like in Chicago, New York, things like that, uh, Australia. What was it like playing get, when you got to play in Carnegie Hall? Because that must have been, like, incredible. Oh, it was, it was crazy. It was it was great. And that, that's actually one of those really wonderful things. Like, I was, uh, I was in, in college, I was part of a really fantastic uh, choir program, and... Um, you know, we did. Um, you know, we did a lot of a lot of repertoire. But one of the things we had the opportunity to do was to go and perform in a in a kind of multiple uh, multiple co- uh, college uh, program uh, at Carnegie. And so uh, it was it was our choir and like two others from two other schools that we put together. And I think we did. I forget what we did. It was Mozart. I don't think it was. I cannot remember. I feel like I feel bad because like the moment is burned into my brain more even than the music is. Uh, and, and Carnegie is a fantastically interesting hall acoustically. Like it, it's really excellent from the stage. It's not, it, it's a, uh, I don't know. I'm getting super, I get super nerdy about this. Like from the stage, from what I remember, um, mind you, this is like easily 10 years ago now. Uh, which seems terrifying when I think about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, like from the stage, like you hear everyone fairly well, but they really like in the, you know, once you're out in the hall, like, oh, it's just, it's a tremendous sound. And getting to perform there was, you know, a, a real kind of highlight of uh, of my uh, of my performance career, as it were, career, such as it is, you know, academic career at least. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, that was a blast. Like Carnegie is wonderful. I've, I've gotten a chance to perform at, Symphony Center in Chicago a few times, uh, you know, to tour uh, around uh, Europe uh, with uh, with a youth orchestra as a as a vocal soloist, you know, and uh, and sing. The worst thing you can possibly do is sing Italian opera in Italy, and that's like oh. just terrifying as an American. Terrifying, <laughs> but uh, but they didn't hate me, so apparently I did something right. Uh, nice. but, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's fun and it's, it's kind of wonderful to stand on a stage that, you know, to, to be in a place, uh, where so many luminaries and icons and, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, where so much history has happened, uh, and then kind of feel like in some small way you're contributing to that. You know, I, I don't know. That's, uh, that's what that, that does. That's the best way I can kind of try to communicate what that's like. Now, I mean, 
obviously, like I said, going over and seeing all the things you do from composing, singing, instruments. Then I saw voice acting, too. I'm like, wow. Have you got to... What project were you able to do in that, or is it something that you're just launching? Uh, it's something I've, I've dabbled in. I've done, uh, a few, uh, I've done a few adventure games, a uh, little indie stuff here and there. Uh, some, I, I got some stuff in the work that I, works that I can't talk about right now, uh, but that should be fun if it turns out. Um, uh, you know, voice acting is, yeah, I did a lot of acting in college and high school. And so like, you know, I, there's only so many things you can do with your life, I guess. You know, voice acting is kind of taken the back burner. Like I've actually, you know, I've done, weirdly enough, I've done more commercial voice acting for, for toys and things like that, uh, than I have for, um, uh, for, for actual dramatic properties, uh, so far, but, uh, but hopefully that will start to change in the future. It's something that is is uh, has been has been a passion of mine. Like acting is is uh, is has always been kind of a part of my life, and getting to do uh, getting to start to dabble in voice acting the way I am uh, has been kind of wonderful. Uh, and I'm hoping that kind of continues to grow. But yeah, it is it is very much something that is uh, a new kind of venture, you know, in the last several years that I've kind of been uh, kind of been doing. You know, slowly, slowly but surely, you know, uh, building up more characters and more, uh, more gigs in that, uh, in that field. Well, obviously, with all the things you do and how busy you are, I understand when I read about your Steam backlog. So, in, in, your, in your list of Steam games that are sitting there waiting to be played that just oh, ends up God. being upgraded every time you load up the computer, what's some of the top ones that you're just, you know, you're dying to play? I want to play, I want to finish, I want to, man, I want to finish The Witcher 3. I want to. I want to do that. I want to play. I want to play Dishonored too. It was given to me by a very good friend as a birthday present, and has sat there uninstalled. Uh, no, actually, no. It's been installed and not actually played. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, oh man! Like, what else do I want to do? I want to finish Oxenfree, which is this wonderful, like, disturbing adventure game on an island. It is the most. It is the most like. 80s teen movie in the world like it's like it it feels like it's set now but it feels like i don't know like it's it's like a thriller almost horror game but it's uh i'm not a big horror fan which is why i'm glad it edges more towards the psychological thriller side of things uh you know about these about these teenage kids who go to an island uh as part of like the senior thing like everyone goes to this party but then like only a handful of them show up and the weird dimension fracturing nightmares begin to happen and i don't know everything yet so i can't spoil it um i want to finish that Ugh, so many things so many awesome games out there that i that i want to put more time into that i want to finish you know uh and, and actually get uh and get through um uh but uh they will have to wait uh, i have uh, most recently i did mostly because it's short um i did finish i did start and finish uh the wonderfully riveting um first person story slant adventures slant it's not really a walking simulator uh but uh virginia if you've heard of it um uh it is uh it is a an amazing weird low poly uh experience like a lot of people have likened it to very twin peaks-esque in its kind of presentation it has no dialogue which puts it kind of in the same realm as fossil echo and that there's no no dialogue anywhere in that and the story is told very, very prominently by the musical score. Um, 
And that's it was it was a very interesting game to kind of experience. It's a story about two FBI agents who go to a small town in Virginia called Kingdom to investigate a missing kid uh, who's who's disappeared. Um, and uh, the story gets weird from there. Uh, and uh, you know, it's like it's like it took two hours of my time, but man, it was it was worth it to kind of uh, go down that strange rabbit hole. I'm a story junkie, if you haven't noticed. I'm like a huge story fan. So like, uh, if I can get a game, I like 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 I've played. I, I have like scraped like tiny little snippets of time out and played like Rocket League and Battlefield One, like and those have been the games I've played the most. You know, in like 15, 20 minute increments for like the past several months. But when I can sink my teeth into like a real story, like a, a game with a, a overarching plot and cool characters and you know uh, things of that sort, you know like a Bioware RPG or or something to that end where there's like real character development and a fascinating universe to kind of explore, like that's the sort of stuff that I really love to do. And like this was a a way to kind of have that kind of I keep saying kind of, but a way to have that sort of uh, that sort of universe. Uh, or at least a a fascinating, riveting story told in a way that I could actually fit into my schedule. Uh, so hopefully, now that the uh, the school year is out and the summer is done, and I think I have most of my E three preparations uh, sent out uh, nice. and taken care of, I can finally take a breather and 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 play some play some video games. You know, actually do the thing that I want that I do this for. Yes. Anyway, is there um, not like saying that? this would need to be done or, or disrespect to anyone that's done it. But has there been any games that you've played and you said to yourself, man, I wish I could score that, even if they've already been done? You know, like I said, not not because it needs to be better, but just because you're like, wow, I wish I could do that. Oh, man. <sighs> that's a hard one. Uh, that's a hard one because, like, the games that I want to score have already been scored so well that I don't think I could do, like, one one of the things I've realized more and more um, as a composer uh, is that we all, all of us composers, all of us musicians in in, in game audio at least, have very different kind of, uh, very different styles and very different uh, musical identities that we bring to a project. And so getting to, um, you know, so it's like, I am. Uh, I love uh, the scores. Like, like my, my good friend Austin Wintry like writes amazing music. Like his Jury score and his Abzu score and his Assassin's Creed Syndicate score and like all these things are are are, are wonderful. Uh, and they're not what I would quite write, but the worlds that he gets to write for are so inspiring to me. Like I would love to do that sort of stuff, but I don't think I could ever want to like replace those scores. I would never in my you know, you know, in my you know my weirdest nightmares, like want to see those scores replaced uh, with my own stuff because they're so perfect, um, and they do what you know what they do incredibly well. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything that I would uh, that I would out and not replace, uh, or I'd want to replace. Um, I feel like that's a question I might have to to stew on a bit uh, to kind of come across, you know, uh, to to see if I can come up with a better answer. <laughs> something in the future man. as far as what's upcoming I know you spoke about For the King there's some stuff you can't talk about but there are any other projects that you can tell us about that's coming up and also where can we follow you to you know, see your upcoming work uh, right now I've got For the King in development uh, there's been uh, there's, there's a really weird wonderful game 
that I'm working on called Dead by the Sword, uh, which got uh, which which oh, it's it's real dumb. It's a game where you play as your dad, uh, and uh, you uh, you delve into the uh, the deepest uh, darkest uh, bowels of the earth to find the infinity the infinity nut, the sacred snack from which all salted snacks spring, oh, uh, and you have to retrieve it and uh, get out alive. Uh, and it's uh, it's a very interesting game with uh, one 150% realistic uh, one-to-one mouse-to-sword combat, um, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, to working on that in the future. Um, uh, there there is for the king. There is I'm trying to think of like what I can actually say uh, about stuff. Uh, I'm working on a little um, uh, a little uh, indie strategy game uh, strategy kind of it's almost a throwback a little advanced wars feeling in some ways uh called uh the rise of Mooncrest, uh which is on kickstarter right now um it's uh it's a little thing it's up there and it's kind of cool and i'm very excited to work on that score because i'm playing like 40 brass instruments live on it and that'll wow. be fun uh uh and then there's um i can't talk about that one <laughs> there's some cool stuff in the future that uh rest assured uh you'll you'll be able to find out more about uh but if you want to find out more about that you can follow me on twitter i'm at john robert Matz, uh just all one word run together uh or you can follow me on my website uh john robert Matz.com. uh i'm on facebook too you can look me up there i have a artist page etc i try to echo my big kind of uh announcements and stuff on there uh, as well, there's a WordPress blog you can get to from my site. Uh, I try to like put up things about like a little background about stuff, some behind the scenes or behind the music, I should say, uh, features from time to time. Um, and that's pretty much it. Unless I'm forgetting something. Oh yeah, SoundCloud, you can also listen to all kinds of nonsense that I'm working on. Sometimes it's bits of work in progress stuff, sometimes it's uh, little sneak peeks of things, sometimes it's full release tracks. Uh, but if you just search for John Robert Matz again uh, on SoundCloud, you should find me. Uh, and that's basically it. Well, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, not going back to everything from the games that you played and everything like that and stuff that you're working on. It's, it's just really awesome to have a chance to talk with you. So I want to thank you very much, John, for coming on and talking with us today. Likewise, likewise. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing more from you in the future. <laughs>